Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Eddie Healy. Eddie's going to share his experience, and we're going to use that as a launching point onto probably older, slightly older, unopened material, and what Eddie, what Eddie's circumstance was, and what we can learn from that, as well as just enjoy looking at what is a, a fast, it has been increasingly an important part of the hobby. Not all product gets opened for different reasons. Anyway, thanks for sponsors, Top Spinini and Upper Deck. They produce the product, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions. They auction off the product, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards. They sell a lot of wax and other stuff, maybe not some of the stuff Eddie and I are going to talk about today. And then ComC.com and uh, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So uh, all of those in the ecosystem deal with cards and memorabilia. And most cards start out in a pack, not necessarily in a rack pack, but in some kind of pack that you you purchase and you may open or may not, as we find out from Eddie. So Eddie Healy, welcome to the show. Give us a little bit of your background and and, and then we'll uh, launch into our discussion about unopened material. All right. Okay. Thanks for having me on, Dr. Beckett. Yeah. So I, I think I started out like most kids. I was about six years old when I got started and my dad was a big sports fan, Baltimore sports fan. That's where we're, we've been located grew up right in the backyard of a Memorial Stadium. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly, a lot of people talk about the cards they collected is what they remember the being. A lot of my memory is really my dad's cards. I, I spent a lot of time just sifting through them and all of them. My dad was largely baseball only. I haven't really found a lot of Colts cards, but it's a uh, 67 tops, 69 tops. And through that experience collecting Orioles and Ravens cards as a kid, the one thing my dad impressed upon me was that the rookie card was the thing to look for. And so my collecting origin really through middle school, high school, and early college was trying to only get rookie cards and get them signed and had a lot of um, access. There's some good days in Baltimore to, to whether it's training camp or it was fan fest or, uh, and I would look for that. My things that I really liked are getting my Ray Lewis or my Ed Reed rookie cards signed. And that's what I have a lot of, but, uh, but yeah, so that's how I started. That's you're starting on the right track. I think autograph rookie cards are coming more and more in vogue. And it's harder to do now because the players see you coming. But if you're talking Absolutely. about uh, those guys, you're talking about almost 20 years ago. So, Yeah. But yeah, then I kind of got out of it. I think yeah, naturally, as so many people do through late college, and then when you start to get in the working world, I think there's some major events for me. In 2014, my dad passed away pretty suddenly, unexpectedly as a young guy, 55. And then that was two years after college. But then also after college, I, I had a lot of busy jobs. I, I was a scouting intern for the Ravens, 2012 and had some other jobs in the organization for a couple of years. And then when I left, I actually went as a high school basketball coach. I had varsity coach for a couple of years. So that I was you know, busy then too. And then to try to get back into pro sports, I decided to go back to law school uh, in the evening working full-time. So I was doing full-time work, been doing full-time work in, in law school. So I actually realized recently that I hadn't been in the hobby for, for years. But how I came back was the classic hobby pandemic story. The pandemic hits and my job is terminated for budget cuts due to the pandemic in the summer. And I started, he was like, you know, I, I want to clean some stuff out. And I haven't seen my dad's cards. I'm going to go find them. And something I was looking for was these strips of cards, which I didn't know what they were called. They're 1974 rack packs. And something I looked at him with as a kid often. And I, I one thing I'd never done was look them up on the internet in right. value. And it's well, not, not as easy. It's easier now than back uh, when your dad was collecting them, but they were, they were, they're tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was amazed at what I found on the internet. Uh, yeah, I, and pleased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question. And, and my dad always told me when we looked at him when I was a kid, he said, don't open them and hold on to them. And uh, yeah, what I've seen the prices get them go for now online is uh, shocking. Have you sold, what, what have you sold now? Cause that's been a few months. 
Yeah. So I did a lot of research and obviously I learned that there was a boom in the industry. I had no idea. I just learned about it in July. And but probably for the next 10 days, I did an amazing amount of research. And so I haven't sold any yet, but they're going up to auction actually about 18 days. Any old comps for that would be invalid. The the market for those a few years ago, it's I'm sure it's drastically increased even now. So you, you should do very well. And did you get them authenticated? Yeah, the the auction house we're using, Robert Edwards, they are they took care of the authentication, no issues there, and yeah, so they are all authentic. All twenty three of them are, are getting authenticated. Are authenticated. Is it going to be auctioned off as a group, or are you pulling out some of them that have? Do they have some uh, better players showing some of them? Well, yeah, we're doing a couple different groups actually. It's a uh, three star packs. There's a, a Mike Schmidt on top. There's a, a Dave Winfield on the back, and then there's a Reggie Jackson and Fergie Jenkins on the back, okay. and then the others are four groups of five. And three of those groups all have a Hall of Famer yeah. uh, in them. And one is just a bunch of major star cards in them. That's exciting. That's exciting. What, uh, well, and I'm sure Robert, Edward, the Lipson guys will do a great job for you. There's, why, what made you pick them? They're, they're on the East Coast, but did they, did your dad have a relationship with, with the, the Lipson folks? No. So I, interesting, you know, I just try to take a real analytical approach to it. And so over that like 10 day period, I logged every internet sale of a 74 rack and in the last so they had the biggest sale in 2019 they had a 19 sell for about 20 grand and so that was the one thing that kind of i first on google yeah and and that's that started an email conversation but then i I talked to other the major auction houses too and actually had a little bit of a big war going on for them and but yeah i just they just seem to have a history and a lot not only biggest sale but a lot of recent sales more so than any other auction house the the founder of robert edward lifson was the founder And so he's, I think he's invested. I don't think he's the owner anymore, but he was the founder. And a lot of these companies, as you are founded and formed in the image of the founder. And so Robert had an amazing collection and vast knowledge of unusual stuff. And so his auction for all these years has had a lot of things that are very unique uh, or very old things you don't normally see. Some of the auction houses get mainstream stuff that's popular and valuable but not so, as unique as they do. So they have a niche there. I think you, you probably made a good choice. There are other good choices. I've got two mm-hmm. auction sponsors that are in fact, Bill Huggins. It's not very far away from you, but, but again, there's a lot of good choices. And that's going to come up. And what do you do with the money? I think I'll probably just set it aside, act like it never happened. Probably set aside for future investments and just, and that's probably. You probably don't want to fritter it away. You want to honor your dad in some way because that's uh, part of the legacy of his his vision. I can't tell you the restraint that your dad must have had <laughs> and inculcated in you to uh, hold on to something that was just a kid or even an adult just itching to open it up and, and see what you get. But yeah. if you open them up a few years ago, I, I just think the price is going to be quite a bit higher now. Yeah. I, a few years ago. Yeah. I often ask the question myself. My dad was 16, I think, in the 1974. And yeah. I have no idea why he would have decided to hold them. They were out there, but they weren't really held in high esteem back at that time. I, I was a collector. I was around there. Some of those things were available, but they were just a novelty. And people didn't, most people didn't see them as this is something to save and be unopened because it was thinking there's so many of these. If you open them up, you just got a bunch of 74 commons or you know some, mm-hmm. a few better players, but grading was not a thing. Grading was not a thing. So now the expectation of grading is driving a lot of that. It's not just that you got a 74 Schmidt there, his second card. It's that it could, again, the grading expectation that some collectors have, especially newer collectors, is that what's going to come out of that rack pack 
they're all tens. And that's actually not the case, but right. you could get a 10. You got a better chance of getting a 10 there than you do out of something that's in a monster box of something that's been collated. So again, it's in, uh, part of the thrill of the chase. But and if your dad, and uh, so have you ever segregated out what was yours and what was your dad's, or did you all have a family collection? Yeah, for the most part, I, I would say like once I, once my dad had me, he didn't really collect. It was more taking me to shows, taking me to buy stuff. And so really anything from his era is definitely his. And then anything. Now, I've actually said like honoring my dad and enjoying that connection still. I love buying 67, 69 tops. And I actually just picked up a Johnny Nice rookie card recently. It's really cool experience. And yeah, so for the most part, all the old stuff is in the current stuff. Are you, Eddie, are you 50-50 football and baseball? Because it sounded like your dad was baseball. But if you work for the Ravens and they had a great run there. They're not out of it, but they had a yeah. great run with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, two of the two of the greatest. Yeah, I would say I am. I'm pretty spread, pretty heavily, baseball, football, Orioles, Ravens, Colts. I'm a big basketball guy, obviously, as coach. So Maryland Turfs. I also like the local angle. Mel Kuiper. I went to Calvert Hall High School. Juan Dixon, Mel Kuiper, Calvert Hall guys. There's actually a couple old Calvert Hall football players in uh, '53 tops. George Young, also Frank Cashin, actually the Mets. Really? Oh, GM. He's a, he's a Loyola College and Maryland Law Evening Student alum. There's some little local things I like to collect and pick up along the way. Where do you pick them up? Are you an eBay guy or do you do Comp C or Beckett Marketplace or the, the auction houses? Where do you look for stuff? Go so, to Marcos, which you can't do right now. But. Yeah, growing up, there's a local card store nearby. Now, obviously, I picked up most of the things on eBay for sure, but there's a local card store, Beller Card Store up in Bel Air, Maryland that I've been going to frequently. But yeah, just eBay's been so huge just to pick up these things that unless it was in your local card store, you couldn't get. Yeah. And you can't expect to go in a local card shop and find 74 rack packs. You no. just wouldn't, it wouldn't be wise for them to, to put them out there. And yeah. Yeah. I just, I, like I said, I, I don't want to fixate on this. It's just, that it's so unusual that the generational transfer was successful without, <laughs> without you opening them up. Because if you open them up, the value, it wouldn't necessarily drop like a rock. I shouldn't say that, but it's contingent on you immediately getting them to a third party grader, send it to BGS and, and make sure they're fully protected. And, yeah. and, but even commons, if even the commons come out nine fives or tens, you could have, you could really do well. On the other hand, one thing I liked about your story, Eddie, is that you have your you want to honor your father, but you also have your own collecting interests. And I'm I also collect rookie cards autographed. You know, I mean, I, and I had somebody on a, a while back that did that too. I think it's a fun way to do it. It adds a little more personal distinction. And again, many of the ones I have, I didn't necessarily walk up to the player. A few of them I did, but it sounds like a lot of them were you know were guys that you walked up were able to connect relationally on some level and get them to sign your card. So that's good. That's good. So this has gotten you back in the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I, I, like I said before, I I think I realized I hadn't been to a card store probably since my dad died and not intentionally just got busier and you go, it was about last month. I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I haven't been to a card store. And yeah, I I really love it. Just, I love sports. Obviously I have that evaluation background of scouting and and it helps. And I obviously hope to have a family at some point in the future. And it's great to relearn and duplicate what my dad and I had when I was little and get ready for that. Yeah. That's a great note. Basically, I, I got cards from my dad who had collected in, in a long time ago, and they were in the attic of my grandfather and grandmother's house that I got when I was basically, I guess I was 10 years old. And so that opened my eyes to the fact that there were older cards too. 
And then I had the Varus family of the, the, the grandfather, the father, and the son on my Father's Day episode, which you might want to listen to, which is a lot of fun. So I think it's one of the greatest father-son or father-daughter, mother-son, whatever it is. It's just a, it's a great hobby, pretty wholesome. And uh, occasionally, listeners, someone's father is so prescient and, <laughs> and awesome to hold on to something that really caught fire and had great value. And so what, what a great blessing. What a, what a great uh, opportunity to, to uh, so I hope people bid it up for you, Eddie. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to stop now. It's been 15 minutes, but I've really enjoyed hearing your story. It's again, I know you miss your dad, but the legacy of collecting memories is, is still there for you and for me and for many others. So thanks, Eddie Healy. Best of you in your law school pursuits. Expect to be hearing more about you. Why don't you, why don't you become the commissioner of baseball? <laughs> Would <laughs> and, love to. <laughs> fix baseball. I think you need a law degree to do that. But anyway, thanks, Eddie Healy. Thanks, listeners. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow with another episode. Anyway, thank, thanks, Eddie. Uh, any, any last minute questions you got? Or no, I, I just want to say I really appreciate it. I, I think yeah. it's so cool that I, I didn't before I started. I didn't know that you Beckett was a person. <laughs> uh, you should have put that in the episode. That's, yeah, I should. That's uh, that's not. Uh, it's not a secret. Sometimes, yeah, your name becomes it, an adjective or, or a verb or something instead of the, a person. But and I, and that, it's been almost sixteen years since I sold the company. So I've really I haven't been dormant. I'm still doing stuff, but I don't try to optimize or maximize my visibility. I, I'm enjoying being semi-retired and mainly do pro bono consulting, which means I can help a lot of people that need help that can't really afford it on a variety of issues. They're, they could be from personal to business to nonprofit. There's lots of people that need a little bit of fresh perspective sometimes. So that's been a lot of fun. So I don't, but and like I said, I never say I have a law degree. I don't have an accounting right. degree. I don't have a medical degree, which means I can talk about any of those things without being disbarred. <laughs> But they're my friends that are going through tough legal things and they go to an attorney. The attorney gives them legal speak sometimes. Maybe you wouldn't do that, but some attorneys do. And I say, I've been in court a lot, more than many attorneys. Just, yeah. I testified in 100 cases. I had 100 cases all over the country so for many years. And I say, here's what's really going on. Here's the meta narrative. And they go, oh, that's what their motivation is. You'd think that the motivation in court is to find the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, Herman Edwards. The, the, you play to end the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what too many attorneys do. So I hope you'll be one of one that's trying to be a truth seeker so, and, and find out what's best for everybody.